This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. The U.S. dollar index has fallen about 10% of its value since the March high. That is a significant move. Think of it in terms of offsetting a tariff. I think that what has been so unusual about dollar weakness is that it has been so uneven against foreign currencies. Other industrialized developed countries who have strong institutions and more cohesive governing than we've had had more success managing the pandemic, such as the European Union and Japan, than we have. Less developed, less stable economies and governments than ours, such as Brazil, Ukraine, and Russia, have not seen much currency strength against the dollar. We've all gone down together. It so happens that Ukraine, Russia, and Brazil happen to be our primary ag export market competitors. Egypt bought 500,000 metric tons of Ukraine Russian wheat. Brazil is selling out of soybeans as it's about to enter the corn export market with fresh supply again. We are a little more competitive with our weak dollar than what we have been against our ag export market competition. Our export outlook is guarded and our weak dollar is not weak against the currencies that we need it to be. I think that this is a huge problem and I do not know how to fix it. We root for a weaker dollar, and then when we get one, our competition gets weak currencies, too. That does mean that industrialized consumers will have more buying power. The weak dollar will have some benefit, but just not the amount that we had hoped. These weak currencies factor greatly into production profitability. It is no secret that we are losing money growing grain and soy, while our primary ag competitors, farmers, are not. They are expanding market share in production, while we are reducing acres. The trend has been continuing into the next production year. The GOP came up with its version of a COVID-19 aid bill, and not even the GOP seems to like it. The White House is not enamored about it either. The resistance is coming from a resurgence of fiscal conservatism that seemed to come out of nowhere. The $1 trillion GOP Heals Act sizes up against the $3 trillion Heroes Act that the Dems came up with. I think that most needs could be covered with 2 to $2.5 trillion. The Dems asked for more than they expected to get. The Republicans, however, are ticked at their leadership for even opening bidding at a trillion dollars. They could not pass their own bill on their side of the aisle. Donald J. Trump has one objective, which is getting reelected, so the White House wants the funds and aid to keep flowing with no interruption through election day. Fiscal conservatism has never been the White House's strong suit. I do not think that there's any chance of them getting together on this aid tranche anytime soon. Odds are that payments will lapse, creating an uproar where the blame game follows. Even the Federal Reserve has said that Congress needs to spend more to keep the economy going. The Fed is going to continue to keep interest rates in the basement and provide liquidity, but we prefer that Congress helps them with stimulus. The Fed claims they need a partner in Congress. The Fed also seems to be the one that gets it, that the future of the U.S. economy is tied to the pandemic outcome. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell was advocating wearing masks and social distancing as key to reopening the economy. Until we crush the virus one way or another, ours and the world economy will be wounded. Fed action has already contributed to the weakness in the dollar. After all, they are making trillions more of them with the stroke of a computer key. The Fed is not concerned about inflation yet. Our political leaders and government have not done a good job of managing the pandemic. The cost of this mismanagement could yet reach trillions. Even getting vaccines is not going to turn the virus off overnight. 
I don't believe that it is possible to be a fiscal conservative and not social distance and wear a mask. U.S. COVID-19 deaths have passed 150,000 and they are unwilling to take the measures that would do more than maybe flatten the trajectory. Vaccines are coming and there is reason to be hopeful, but at best they are months away before they are distributed to enough people to make a difference. When you're losing 1,200 people a day to COVID-19, months means tens of thousands of lives if too little weak interim measures are taken. In places where they have done a lousy job of following preventative health measures, the virus is virtually out of control. Even in places where they did the right things to crush the virus, they are seeing a resurgence of cases when they let up on it. The virus is relentless and deadly. While many argue that the mortality rate is low, when so many contract COVID-19, the number of deaths is appalling. I think that the category that doesn't get enough attention is the 10 to 20% who survive, but who are deathly ill with longer-term complications. With over 4 million cases, that is as many as 800,000 people who have essentially been maimed by the virus. If you've been listening to the Comstock Report, for more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. 